Here they come! Welcome to episode 52 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today we're having yet another special episode. It's to mark us reaching number 52 and an episode a week for a whole year. With that in mind, I'd first like to thank Matt over at NeoZaz for his generous time, effort, aid and support over the year. Cheers, matey. And I'd like to thank each of my co-hosts. Without you guys, we wouldn't have a show, so I owe each and every one of you a pint, whenever or wherever we might meet up. Right, on with the show, and here we go with a special interview with Martin Bauer on his model work on the film Outland. The late 70s was a very busy time for you. Uh, what were you working on? The Medusa Touch. There was Tomorrow People on TV, Blake 7 on TV, Alien and Flash Gordon. So how did you get the gig for Outland and how did it fit in with what you were working on at the time? Well, following the finish, finishing of the models for Flash Gordon, um, we were rather hacked off with it, and uh, myself and Bill Pearson decided that we were going to get out and do our own thing and form a company doing models for things in general. Um, we stayed until the majority of the model work was done on Flash, uh, but then we decided to say set up a company using the workshop that I already had behind my house. Mm-hmm. Um, no sooner had we moved in there and hadn't even got letterheads or anything done, then I got a phone call from Nick Alder, who was the special effects uh, guy on uh, Space 1999, Alien, um, all the miniature work, mm-hmm. um, doing all the explosions and what have you. And he said, um, he said, are you busy? And I said, well, we are, but, you know, tell us more. And he said, Get yourself over to Pinewood Studios. Go to the house in between the gates. Now, Pinewood Studios has got a house in between the gates. Mm -hmm. Don't know why, but it's let out to like a director, for instance, in this case, Peter Hyams. Mm -hmm. Um, And you go into this, this basically this large room and um, meet the guy there. and so I went over, not even knowing what to expect at all. Not any Nick hadn't given me any real detail at all about whether it was a spaceship or it was, I don't know, a full-size prop or whatever. Anyway, no sooner I walked through the door, then Peter Hyams grasped me by the hand and nearly broke my arm. Um, and in a bawling American uh, voice said... Um, he said, right, he said, I gather you make models. And I said, uh, yeah. And he said, right, I need you to make that. And he pointed at the wall of one of the walls of this room. And on it, 
was aboard about 30 feet long right. by about 12 feet high with painting of a refinery on it, right? right. Last impression of the refinery. He said, I need you to build that, and I need to know how much is going to be and if you can do it. And I thought, oh, okay, that's, that's great. You know, um, when he said, no, I need you to give it now. Give me an idea now. And I said, what? I can't, I can't do that. I said, there's loads of materials in it, what have you, you know. And anyway, this is happening in uh, 1980, okay? Mm -hmm. It's it's January in 1980, so you've got to remember that the the money's a bit different, you know? Yeah. Anyway, um, I looked at this thing, and he he said, oh, come on, come on. He said, you've done loads of models. You can give me a price for that now, surely. That's the actual size it is on the wall there, you know? Um, You can make that. And also, um, I need a shuttlecraft that looks like the um, Staten Island Ferry. Well, I had no idea what the Staten Island Ferry looked like, (laughs) and I still don't know. Um, So I just said, okay. Um, Anyway, we chatted for a little while about other stuff I'd done, and he seemed to know more about me than I did about him. Um, And I said, well, have I got time to think about it? He says, no, not really. Oh, and you need to get on it, because I want to start filming the miniature work in April. And I said, oh, blimey, you know, April? April. <laughs> <laughs> and I, my mind's sort of racing. I said, well, we said, we well, you might get it. We might get you an extra few weeks. Anyway, um, he said, so how much is it going to be? And I thought, oh, my goodness, I, I've never had to do this, you know. And I thought of the old, forget, think of a figure and double it. And I looked at this thing and I said, this, so how many units are there? He said, well, there's uh, the Pompidou module, so named because it's like that building with all the work he governs on yeah, the outside. Yeah. yeah, and that's the Pompidou building in France. And then they said, um, I've got a weather, um, a, kind, a kind of a, a weather station come pick up all the movement and all the kind of radar stuff. Lots of gubbins that, that picked up, you know, because they're on a because this thing's being set. I have to point out that this this uh, this model that we've got a picture of is actually of a refinery. If you can imagine, like five or six uh, North Sea oil rigs all stuck together, mm-hmm. right, and on a planet which is a moon of Jupiter. So the background behind this planet, uh, this model is Jupiter, right. not space. Um, now, I know a fair bit about space, and I said, well, you know, but you can't get on the surface. He said, oh, never mind about that, doesn't matter. <laughs> he said, well, it's taking place on Io. Um, and he passed me this, this uh, script to take and look at, and he said, um, I said, why is it called 10? He said, no, 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 <laughs> it's not called 10. It's called I.O. And I said, oh, sorry. And then he, he said, oh, actually, we might have to change that. Yeah. And, of course, they, they did. And they changed it to Outland. And when, when they changed it to Outland, everybody thought, why is it called Outland? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Anyway, we've got this, this great big refinery. It's got two gigantic greenhouses, which pick up all the light, convert it into these plants, I think there was a liberal amount of marijuana growing in those (laughs) 
things as well. Yeah. Um, and it all had to be, the, the two, the two uh, greenhouses had to be reflective uh, perspex, mm-hmm. which is really dodgy to deal with. You know, because the slightest scratch shows up. Right. If you scratch the back of the surface, you'll get a line show on the front. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we had to make two greenhouses, one uh, station, like I say, that picks up all the weather and what have you and what's going on and there's a radar transmitter and all the rest of it. Uh, then, as well as that, we've got the Pompidou module and we've got the landing pad, right. the most complicated um, model that potentially for us was making the landing pad work. Was that because the of landing pad? Was that because yeah. of all the lights that were built into it, it with was, the X and everything? Well, we didn't do the lights. No, we didn't do with anything to do with the lighting. But what it was making the four blast reflectors lift up. Right. That, and and also making the um, the, there's two gantries that come in at either side. Yeah, the red ones. Slot into, yeah, red gantries, that's mm-hmm. right. In the film, there's a shot, when because you don't really see the refinery. Everything's shot in a funny way. It is, isn't it? Um, and I'm kind of jumping the gun at the moment because I'm going into the film. Let me, let me go back to, 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 the, to, to actually getting the job first because there's a story in that alone. All right. Um, I'm thinking how much it's going to be. So I look at it and I thought, 25 quid. I said, um, 48,000. He said, oh, that's fine. And I thought, <laughs> and you're thinking, I, I should answer more. <laughs> uh, well, we all do that. <laughs> I've you done know? that. <laughs> and I said, I said, oh, and he said, right. And anyway, so we went on with this discussion and he said, I'll tell you what. I said, he said, what can you build? I said, what do you, what level of detail do you want? He said, I want to go right in on this thing, right? So I said, how about we build you a little section of uh, refinery with the detail on it that we can get on a big model, on this small model, so you can look at it and get an idea of what we can do. Mm-hmm. So he thought that was a good idea. But before he did anything else, he said, "Give me, gave me a slip of paper, and he said, take that over to the main office, and I knew Pyramid quite well, and he said, go into Charles Orme's office. You know, it's just inside, and I said, yeah, yeah, I know. And he said, give that to Charles Orme, and he and he gave me this envelope, and uh, I went in, knocked on the door, Charles Orme, met him, had a, had a little chat, and he said, so you're the model guy, are you? And I said, well, one of them. And he said, um, hang on a second, and I, I still didn't know what was going on. And then, he, and then he proceeded to open this thing and get a checkbook out. And then he handed me a check, check for £15,000. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking, my house less, costs less than that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, anyway, 1980, it was probably about, I don't know, what would it be? Two, two times that now? Yeah, maybe more. Maybe more, yeah. yeah. Anyway, in those in that time, um, you know, it was it was um, fifteen thousand pounds. So, armed with all of this, I go back to our workshops where Bill's still sorting out stuff and drilling holes in walls and fix, <laughs> fixing bits and pieces up. And I walked in and I said, "Shut your eyes." <laughs> so he shut his eyes and I opened this thing up and I held this check in front of his eyes and said, "Open your eyes." And he went. 
Hell. <laughs> I can't really say what he said. No. Get the idea. <laughs> yeah. And he said, good, good God, well, blimey. Is that for, what's that for the model? I said, no, that's only a quarter. <laughs> and he said, you joking. I said, I'm not. I said, we get a quarter up front. We get half in the middle and the remainder at the end. Right. And I explained what I, what Peter Hyams had said. So everything was thrown into panic. And almost immediately, we got our first problem because a guy called Philip Harrison was doing the designing of the refinery. And he'd done a drawing of one section on ice. He came over to our place, right, and he opened this drawing out. And Bill and I sort of looked at each other and shaking our heads. And we said, uh, excuse me, Philip, but uh, if we have to build it like that to your plan, you can treble the price and treble the time it will take us to make it. He said, well, how are you going to know what it looks like? I said, look, look at this stuff. And we had a, the photographs from Alien. I said, none of that had drawings. We were told to make a refinery, and that's what we did. Mm. And I said, will you allow us to make you a piece of refinery without any drawings, just from the original artist sketch, which was a copy of the thing that was painted on the wall in that place I'd met Peter Hyams. Gotcha. So we did this, built this refinery thing, weathered it down, put numbers on it and wore it out a bit and made it look a bit, you know, rough and where, where it got damaged a bit, you know. Mm -hmm. Needless to say, if you'd barely put a thing on Jupiter, it would have been swallowed in lava in about five seconds. But that didn't matter, because this is the film. Um, anyway, we kind of convinced him, and we made this model refinery about two feet long. And you can actually see it in the final film. If you look to the left-hand side of the refinery, mm -hmm. you'll see down on the ground, right down on the ground, next to one of the legs, is a little tiny box-like thing on the legs. It's right. like a little, really not noticeable, unless you know it's there. That's the refinery bit that we made. Gotcha. Right? And took this back to, see, to show Peter Hyams, and he said, that's great. That's great. Liberally punctuated with the F word. <laughs> and um, so he said, right, he said, hopefully in four months' time you'll have it all done, won't you? And we said, yes, you know. And first of all, I, I said, I said, by the way, he said, who do you know is a good special effects director? And I'm thinking, this is backwards. <laughs> you normally get a special effects director, and the special effects director gets the model maker. You're asking the model maker to get the special effects director. Mm. So, because I'd always wanted to work with Derek Meddings, I said, well, I'd like to work with Derek Meddings. And uh, he said, oh, no, I'm not working with Derek Meddings. And he gave a reason, which I'm not going to bother uh, with even mentioning because it was right. stupid. Anyway, the long and the short of it was, um, it was Johnny Steers. And John Steers had worked on most of the Bond films up until he became too ill to work and, right. and retired out of the film industry. I'm not sure exactly. I think he did about the first five or six. Right. Um, but really, model work was not his thing. He did everything full size. Right as seen in You Only Live Twice, when the rocket actually looks to try and take off. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's this shot of the rocket taking off is like an animated cartoon. Mm. 
Um, the shot in, in the in the volcano, the full size volcano set is great. Yeah. You know, but the flames are not nearly long enough. No. You know, there's not enough whoosh. And if they'd made a model as well, they could have got some fantastic shots. Yeah. But as it was, they did it his way, and then it cut to this kind of composite shot of the rocket matted into a volcanic uh, landscape. Mm-hmm. Anyway. He looks at the model and he says, right, that's how you do it. So we go away and we start making these things. And without going into too much detail, we spent about £1,000 on materials, mainly uh, plastic tubing, piping, bends, um, walkways, all kinds of things from EMA Model Supplies, Mm -hmm. who at that time um, were a very good company to deal with. Uh, So... We did one, uh, well, we proceeded to make the model, and every few weeks, the only downer on this was that every few weeks, Rolls-Royce would pull up in my outside my house, which looked rather <laughs> ra- rather strange, um, and uh, attracted a lot of attention. Yeah, well, the and neck curtains people, are twitching. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, all these people came out, you know, and went into our workshop, and they're all looking at it and going, oh, R and oh, and what does this do? And I said, I don't know, I didn't design it. Um, no, um, we, we showed him what we'd done and he said, you can have it too many in time. I said, don't worry, don't worry, it'll be done. Don't worry about it. And basically, Bill, Bill's a really good bullshitter as well as, uh, sorry, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, no, you're all right, yeah. you're all right with that one. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he was as good at it as me. So, so we managed to convince him that it was okay. Anyway. To cut a very long story short, four months later, we've got the refinery built. Now, at the time, I had a Chevrolet K5 Blazer, mm-hmm. American truck. And what we did was we took the back off it, yeah, the back detaches, and, and it weighed a ton because you had to unbolt it and slide it off. Mm-hmm. And once you take it off to put it back on again, it's nearly impossible. Anyway, we took the back off and we put each of the... Um, sections that we'd made into the truck and went backwards and forwards to Pinewood ship taking all this stuff over mm-hmm. where it was slotted onto a whole load of uh, metal piping that John Steers' guys had bit put into the right place mm-hmm. because we'd been asked to give them a quick diagram to show them exactly where the legs were going to be so that when they slotted it onto the, the when they put it on the stage it fitted onto these uh, scaffold poles that were sticking up out the floor, or out of the set, I should mm-hmm. say. Um, anyway, uh, we then proceeded to take pos- possession of a, of a plastic box, a uh, perspex box made of half-inch thick perspex from John Steers. And he said, this is the shuttle. And you've got to make that look like a shuttle. And he gave us his box, and it was—it literally was just like a box. Mm. So it was all a little bit vague. We thought, okay, well, we'll, we'll do, you know, we'll, we'll plod on and see how we go. And um, in the middle of all of this, we got a phone call from Peter Hyams, and he was—he didn't sound very happy. And he said, "You guys have got to come over here. We got a problem." And we went, we went over to the, to the, uh, over to Pinewood and, uh, we looked at what was going on and how things were going. And he's, the problem 
that he got was that he wanted to light the model using a single light source. And for, to produce this light source, he got a Second World War searchlight. <laughs> right? Yeah. And he shone it on the model. Well, as we were watching it, he turned it on and he said, watch. And as he turned it on, the model started to melt. <laughs> All the little bit detail on that near it started to melt. He said, the trouble is, I can't get the depth of field on the model because you painted it too dark. And I said, hang on a minute, hang on, hang on. You told us to do it like the little model. He said, well, no, I didn't. I said, I, I, said, I wanted it a light grey. And he argued about it, but the fact the fact was, he, we'd shown him this dark grey, you know, weathered refinery, and he told us to do it exactly like that. That was the whole point of the little model we'd made at the beginning. Yeah. So it didn't make any sense. So he said, well, anyway, he said, I'm going to have to have it repainted. And Bill and I just sort of looked at each other and put our eyes sort of rolled up to the ceiling because all of the amount of stencil work we'd done on this thing to make it look real and rust mm. and what have you. Mind you, I don't think you get a rust on I.O., but who knows? <laughs> you might get a bit burnt, but anyway. Um, anyway, uh, so we we go we go away. Uh, actually, we went down the pub in, to Fulmer in, where there's a nice pub. Mm-hmm. And strangely enough, um, Bill and I were sitting there having our lunch and having a pint while, while we sort of got over the disappointment that this guy was complaining about this uh, model and what on earth were they going to do well we couldn't have imagined um, and we were sort of talking to ourselves and then a, a strange thing happened um, I suddenly two guys who'd been sitting next to us we could just about hear their voices and as they got up to go I said to Bill that's Ray Harryhausen <laughs> And I went, oh, that's Charles Schneer, his, his producer. Uh, and they'd gone out the door. Anyway, but that was a, that was a shame for things to come because for 20, the last 26 years of his life, I worked with Ray Harry yeah, Harrison, yeah, yeah. And he's the nicest guy I ever worked with in the film industry, mm-hmm. I think. Wonderful man, wonderful guy, wonderful loss. It's a sad loss, I should say. Mm-hmm. And his wife, who was David Livingston's granddaughter, I know I'm slightly side-slipping here, but uh, <laughs> she was right. David Living's granddaughter, and uh, she died two weeks after Ray. Mm. He was 93. Mm. Anyway, so we're in this position of waiting sort of to, to hear what's going on with the model. We're, we're sort of twiddling our thumbs a bit. We're starting to detail the, the, the shuttle, do the legs, and in the final film, if we'd known that he, the, fire, the foot was five inches square. Mm-hmm. That's the actual size of the model foot. But it all worked, right? But it was only five inches high. And there are photographs around for people who know Outland. There's a shot of Bill actually trying to assemble one of these one of these legs so that they take the spring mm. weight because the shuttle was going to weigh about 40 pounds by the time it was finished because mm-hmm. it had a steel frame inside it. And it was this thick perspex. Anyway... So, phone rings, and he says, you, you guys need to come over. And we walked over, and our model was white. Now, they, they hadn't got a spray gun out and done it all gently and carefully and nicely. Um, they, what they'd done 
Just going to have a little sip. Hang on. Okay. Um, yeah. What they've done is they've taken it over to the spray, sh- the spray shop and they painted, proceeded to paint it with a car spray gun. <laughs> oh, man. And all our lovely detail disappeared under about a quarter of an inch of white paint. Oh, man. And we, 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 we were like... <sighs> I think we got the pub again, so we did. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, sorry, I've missed out the most important thing. We're, we're, I th- I'm not sure whether thoughts of going to the pub were going on or not, but one next minute, out of the side of the stage comes these two lads carrying one of these greenhouses. Now, these are seven feet high, with the most of them made of, as I've said, mirrored perspex. Mm-hmm. They walk across the car park to the paint shop. Halfway across, one of these guys trips and they drop it. And if you've seen this this thing and filmed it in slow motion, <laughs> it just shattered. Man, oh and that's man. when Bill and I said, well, "Let's go to the pub." Let's go to the pub. <laughs> Get drunk because this is just ridiculous. And we actually didn't rebuild it. John Steers took it over, and he said, I'm going to get these guys to put it back together again. Um, and uh, because we didn't have the time to rebuild it, we had to get the shuttle done. We were gotcha. getting near the, the deadline date. Oh, and by the way, along the way, we've been given the checks as we were promised on time. Right. And that's something that's pretty rare, I tell you. <laughs> anyway, we, 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 got, we got them all, and we, we know, so we were still feeling fine about it all. And then, um, I'm trying to think what else what happened. Um, essentially, there was a white uh, um, refinery. The searchlight was rather further away than it needed to be, and now he could get his depth of field, mm-hmm. which he wanted. Now, why he bothered with that earlier model? Because we thought that's what that was for, to test like depth of field, mm-hmm. and, you know. So um, we then went back and we got on with the shuttle and uh, we said, what colour do you want the shuttle, bearing in mind the problems <laughs> with, with, with the um, refinery? Yeah, and you got, said, you've got to double check this time, haven't you? Yeah, well, we <laughs> thought it would be a good idea if somebody, you know, had a, a, an idea of just exactly what this was going to be like because we didn't want to paint all this detail panel line it and everything only to have it covered in white paint so we we did it in initially started to do it in light grey um, and I had um, some sand coloured some light, like a light tan coloured paint mm-hmm. and I said this would be nice it was, I sprayed a little bit of it like this with this, this sandy colour and I said, that looks nice. What do you, what do you think? So we may, we, I phoned up the studios, got, got in touch with Peter Hyams, his secretary, because he got like, he was so busy doing filming and, you know, other mm-hmm. stuff. And the model stuff was being done on another stage. And meanwhile, on the, the, the main unit was shooting the live action. So we got speaking to this guy on the, um, uh, in well, in the offices, let's say, and we went over and we said, look, um, we were a bit concerned about the colour on this thing because of what's happened with the refinery, because the refinery to us now looked terrible. Mm-hmm. 
Um, luckily, um, the gantries they'd read, um, the, 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 we made a little, uh, I don't know if you know, if you need to watch the film, but if you watch it, they, they look huge, these gantries, because he was shooting on a wide-angle lens. The five-inch foot is filling at the whole of the screen yeah. in the cinema. There's one shot where you see it and it comes down and you see the suspension work, don't you? That's right. Yeah, you do. And then, because there's these hooters going off, Mm. um, and then these these gantries closing in on it. Well, Mm. we did that with a simple thing that if you're flying in an aircraft, if you happen to sit over the wing and you want to see how an aircraft's ailerons and flaps move, you can watch, watch the wing and you'll see all these bars sticking out like with screw threads on them. Mm-hmm. And they're twiddling round. And as they twiddle round, they pull the flaps up. Mm-hmm. And that technique was what we used to pull the, uh, pull, rather push these, um, gantries in so that they slotted into the model. Mm-hmm. And that was where the, end of the model was there was a sequence which um peter wanted the uh a guy to go flying out through the side of the greenhouse because these guys were walking along inside um with all this foliage in this incredibly huge set um but it was pressurized of course Mm. and this guy lets off one of these massive sort of sawn off shotguns futuristic sawn off shotguns and he fires it, and the whole thing just explodes. And this happened in real life. It was shot at 125 frames a second, I believe. And it looked great. It really mm-hmm. did look great. But I must confess that to, to Bill and I, it never looked as... It's not really out of my place to say it, but, I mean, you know, people enjoy the film, whether it's got panel lines on the model or not. But to us, what we'd supplied and what they'd reduced it to, mm. and especially the broken um, light uh, g- greenhouse, mm. at least said lighthouse there, uh, but the broken greenhouse was, was almost beyond repair, and they'd redone it, and they, they'd used the legs and the base, but they'd have to rebuild all the top of it. And they just copied that photographs that we'd taken as we'd gone along, because we mm. photographed everything as it was done. Um, and... At the end of the job, um, Peter pronounced himself happy with what we'd done, and we went to the Giles Orm, and he handed over the remaining amount. And Bill and I went skipping happily out of Pinewood <laughs> Studios. Straight to the pub. Down to the pub. <laughs> How did I know the, you were going to say that? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I couldn't really drive my car down there because uh, I, I had a red Pontiac, as most people. The people people who know me, um, I was I was sort of like an icon. Because, no, I'm not an icon. What am I talking about? I, I was I, I was kind of noticeable because I drove around in this 1970 Pontiac Firebird that was mm-hmm. red, American Firebird. And um, anyway, left that there, went to the pub, came back. Uh, watched some of the filming that was going on, and there was some pretty raunchy filming being done, I can tell you. Blimey, there were guys and 
women dancing in these cages and they didn't have yeah. a stitch on i had totally forgotten that i bought it on blu-ray when it came out on blu-ray and i hadn't seen it since the cinema release mm. and i've forgotten that in that bar there's people getting it on yeah oh definitely. yeah they're, 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 yeah it, it was pretty raunchy i tell you close set but because we had like little badges that we had to wear and mm-hmm. um, we were allowed on it mm-hmm. and uh, it was well it, it was an interesting film personally <laughs> i put my foot in it because i got a phone call just a second while i have a sip okay you can talk more eric and then i can uh, <laughs> you know i can have more sips um <laughs> yeah no I, I have not much else to tell really um yeah we we went to see it and it, essentially it was so like alien in its design mm. i mean they'd use the same stuff for the floor the the milk crates screwed to the wall all the all the little mm. tricks but you could see what they were yeah you know that was a but, question i was going to ask you because i've seen denials that the film never set out to look like alien but i've also yeah. seen mention that in the production office there was a sign saying make it look like alien well i never saw that but what right. i did say but I, what i did see what we what we saw everything in the way of pictures designs pictures we took of the models that were showed to people it looked just as if it had come out of alien yeah you and you and bill Bill must have had deja vu because you're working on this like you know mining refinery not 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 too dissimilar you know in in size and detail to the nostromo refinery and and then of course you saying there about how it had to be resprayed well of course you had that with the original nostromo that was yellow and then ridley scott wanted it painted gray didn't he yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which takes us back to the shuttle, um, because I mentioned this sandy colour, and they liked that, and we were told to do it. It's very, very, just just, just a light tannish colour, which we did w- with an airbrush, um, which we didn't normally use. You normally use a proper spray gun for mm. large stuff. Um, but the, ref- the, the shuttle was about three and a half feet long, don't know what that is in future in centimeters. I've no idea. Um, and I suppose across the across between the feet was about two feet. Mm-hmm. So the, and the, and the feet were not on the corners. They were halfway up the sides and in the middle at the back and front. Mm. And we did the same thing to this. We put all the walkways inset into it. Put lighting in it. And then he did this shot of it coming into land which when you actually watched it on the screen, you couldn't tell what you were seeing. No, this is, sorry. No, no, I was going to say, this is, this is the shame about this film in that the miniature work is, is, is brilliant, but you don't see it. There's not one shot in the whole film where you see the shuttle in its entirety. You see the underside of it as it's coming in. And then you see very, very close up shots of it, but it's all too dark and you can't see what you're looking at. You, you said it. That's where the expression "smile and take the money" comes from, <laughs> because we we saw it and we didn't rate it at all, and uh, we went to the end of picture party at the Holiday Inn near Peter Airport, and Peter Holmes was walking around being introduced to people who'd worked on the film, and he was he was so pissed that we were introduced as the 
Um, what were we? Something really weird. He said, oh, yes, yeah, we, we, we were the background painters. <laughs> and we, we, we'd done the painting in, in the background. And we didn't know what he even meant, you know, and Peter is sort of, who I've met, obviously, a lot of times over yeah. the last four or five months. And he didn't even recognize us. He was so far gone. <laughs> and that was really it. We, I'm sorry in a way that they didn't make a kit of the Outland Shuttle. It, it, it would have been nice, wouldn't it? It would have been good. It's as complicated to do because the one thing that we did have to bear in mind was that for the jets on it, which are, I must say, a lot more effective than they were on Alien mm. because on Nostromo, they'd fired the jets so many times they were frozen up. So by the time they did the takeoff shot that they used, there were little squirts coming out of the right. jets. Whereas before, when we first did it, they came out like they did out the shuttle in our land. Right, right. Right, now this is liquid nitrogen. So everything's got to withstand extreme low pressure, uh, low temperatures. Mm -hmm. And so all the legs, all the structuring around the legs was done with silver-soldered brass plating mm -hmm. and very little plastic wigeting. Right. And while I'm while I'm talking about wicket, it's not widget, it is wicket. The term was first turned by Brian Johnson on two thousand and one when he worked on that and they called them wiggets, W I G I T. Gotcha. And that is a wiget. Right. And we'd wigeted this stuff and that was the name that we came up for putting all this stuff Mm -hmm. on the model and of course I'm previously on Space 1999 I was known as the Chief Wigeter <laughs> um, I, I, they did me a badge somebody did a stuck a badge on my car and it said Chief Wigeter <laughs> you know and all sorts of silly things so, there's an awful lot of silly things going on all the time hmm. you know but it, it was the, it was it was okay working on it but I must say it, I wouldn't hold it up as my favourite film by no, any means no. And what I was going to say before was I got phoned up by Future magazine from America mm -hmm. by an American journalist, and he asked me, did I think that the film was like High Noon in space? And I know High Noon very well. Mm -hmm. And I, so I said yes. And that was not the right thing to say because it then came up, the magazine came out, and it says... Martin Bauer and Dr. Lazarus, who's the woman, Frances Sternhagen, yep. I think her name is. Yep. She also said the same thing. Right. She said it was the same story as Lost in, Sp uh, as Lost high, in Space. High Noon. <laughs> yeah, same as High Noon. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was really. Mm. And, uh, but... I don't think the film is recognised as much as it could be. I mean, it's never been shown on television, to my knowledge. Right. And I don't know why. I've no idea why. I don't know if you know, yeah, you know why. People, people don't talk about it. Um, you know, it, it is very derivative. It is high noon in space. I totally agree with you. I think if the if the model work had been photographed better, if 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 more time was given to the model work, it would be you know up there mentioned alongside you know the Nostromo and Alien and 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 what have you. You know, but it, it's it's a shame, isn't it? Yeah. Of course, the thing is, um, people who know Nick Alder will, of course, ask themselves, you know, why wasn't Nick Alder doing the special effects? 
mm-hmm. and because he was the one who put us in touch with um, Peter Hyams. But the fact was that Nick was working on a film abroad and couldn't do it. Oh, Brian right. Johnson was working in America doing The Empire Strikes Back and subsequent other Star Wars stuff. Um, and so, and Derek Meddy was working on the Bond, uh, no, he wasn't working on the Bond films, what was he doing? Oh yes, he, he was doing, um, oh, what's that, what's that film, um, the fairy thing with all the brown frowed miniatures in it. Oh, Labyrinth. Labyrinth, that's the one. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, which was unusual for Derek, it wasn't his scene really. Right. Um, and he was also doing other stuff as well, but he wasn't available. So we, we were under the, we weren't really under anybody's command. We were kind of reported to Peter Hyams. Right. And, you know, it was a very unusual way to film. I've never done a film that way before or since. Right. Um, and frankly, we had a good time. We got handsomely paid. Mm. Um, and... Well, that that's about it, really. Uh, I right. can't think of anything that happened. The worst, the worst thing, of course, was seeing the the greenhouse shatter on the floor, right in front of you. <laughs> right in front of us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is, is it right that you got a call from somebody saying that they had found the shuttle and it was going to be thrown yes. out or something? Yes, I I I actually came to rebuild it. Hmm. I a guy phoned me up and said. I've got a, I've got a box here, a wooden box, and it's got the Outland Shuttle. Only it's in a bit of a bad way, so I asked for the guy to bring the bring the thing over, and he gave it to me. He didn't want he didn't want it, and I spent the next three months taking it to pieces, rebuilding it completely from scratch, right, putting it all back into exactly how it looked on the film. And I've got quite a number of photographs that have been on my websites and on um, Facebook and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, with me standing there with a smirk on my face, leaning on, <laughs> leaning on the wall, and there's the Outland Shuttle in front of me, yeah. all 40 pounds of it. <laughs> and uh, yes, it, it, it had been found in, in a dustbin, uh, in, or in a tip bin or whatever. And... Uh, that was quite an experience. It was a bit of deja vu. Yeah, and by sure. the way, um, this shuttle was delivered to me, and this was about eight years after we'd done the film. Mm-hmm. So I've been sitting in this junk pile, you know, because the sad thing about films is that they nearly always destroy all the models. Mm. Um, it's weird because work, work, when I worked with Jerry Anderson, not not with a Jerry Anderson, but with, on his with his company, mm-hmm. um, it, it, we had these things where all my models they suddenly realised that they could put them in an exhibition and keep them, and they would earn money. Yes. And then they asked me to store them, which was really difficult under the circumstances. But I stored stored them for a little while, and then they got me and Keith Wilson, who was the designer, of course, on. Space 1999, art director um, from previous shows. Um, and he and I were up in Blackpool and uh, spent the whole time making up Space City. Mm-hmm. And subsequently after that, somebody else took over and it went on to the Pleasure Beach. And then I was contacted again another year or two later to move it to Alton Towers and put it up there. Mm-hmm. 
when I took it to Autumn Towers, probably ten models at least were missing. I oh, leave yeah. it there. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's move on. All right. Well, I, I think that will do us, Martin. Thank you very much for this. This is uh, been an excellent uh, um, uh, afternoon talking to you. Oh, thank you. That's all right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, th th thank you for uh, helping us celebrate a whole year of the podcasting. And hopefully yeah. uh, we'll, we'll have you back for a, a, another episode oh, in no, the future. Oh, no, not again. <laughs> Again, oh, how much are you going to pay me this time? I, 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 I'll, I'll send you lots of um, tea bags to get you through it. Good idea, Batman. There you go. There you yeah. go. All right. Well, thank you for your time today, Martin. That's all right. Right. Cheers, matey. Cheers, Harry. Bye bye. Bye. It's traditional to give a rating at the end of an episode for the sequence, so I guess I better go ahead and do one. I really like the film. I, I like the fact that it is high noon set in space. I love the audaciousness of it being a homage to Alien so soon after uh, Alien had come out. And um, it's just rife with nods and references or whatever you want to call them all the way through. You know, the very beginning of the film, you've got a Jerry Goldsmith score, which is very similar to one that he had only just recently done for Alien. The actual opening logo for the film, the title of the film, is very, very alien-like, you know. Um, the control room is exactly the same as the Nostromo's dining area. The spacesuits have the same bulbous helmets, you know. And I like the idea that this could be a shared universe, that Outland shares the same universe as Alien, and also Blade Runner. Um, as well. I think it would fit very well in. This could be an off-world colony, couldn't it? Um, and Silent Running as well. Silent Running, the, the notion that the Earth has used up all its natural resources. I guess you could uh, move it sideways to Outland and this is one of the places where they get in further resources. So, yeah, for all that, I enjoy the film. I enjoy watching the film. But what lets the film down is the photography of the miniatures. Um, as Martin was saying there, you know, that there was an awful lot of effort that went into them and the stills that I'll be putting up on Facebook, you can clearly see, you know, that the model work that he and Bill were doing for the complex and for the shuttle were equally on par, easily on par with what they were doing for the refinery and the Nostromo on Alien. But they were just photographed in, in such a poor way that you never really could see what anything was. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a shame. It's a real shame. So, taking that into account, nice model work, shame about the photography. It's a 7 out of 10. Right, that's this anniversary episode over. I hope you enjoyed it. Here's to the next 52 episodes. Now I've got to start thinking about what I do for episode 104. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>